just get out there and you take the first step, you're going to be miles. That first step is going to be miles ahead of everybody else that is too scared to do it. Take that first step, get out, try something. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Today in the driver's seat is Christina Lamb. She is a race car driver for High Speed Motorsports. She competes in Touring One in the SCCA Majors and SCCA Hoosier Super Tour. She is an official and works as the time trial director for the National Auto Sports Association. She is a Bell Helmets Women in Motorsports mentor. And as if that wasn't impressive enough, Christina is also a racing instructor for the Skip Barber Racing School. Enjoy the show, Femcanics. Do you mind introducing yourself? Just okay, so I have yeah, it yeah. Um, I'm Christina Lamb. Uh, I drive the High Speed Motorsports number 12 E46M3. We are out here today at the uh, it's the Race of Champions uh, Mid-Ohio SCCA Hoosier Super Tour race. And uh, we just finished our Saturday race. I came in fourth. Uh, we had a 11 in class and I, I started sixth and I had to drive my way through a bunch of out-of-class cars. I had a really great race with uh, John Buttermore and the Corvette over there. We had a we had great back and forth the entire time, and it was just it was a ton of fun. How does that work? Because I've heard a lot about you know a good partner on the track. Yeah. So when you when you race, there's always the guys up front, right? There's always the guys who take off, and you never see them again. And then there's people in like the middle. Like the fluorescent orange Corvette that yes. was out there. Yes. Um, so that guy was in a totally different class, but you know you just yeah. you never see him again. And he was he's in such a fast class that if we had continued, he probably would have lapped us. Because I think his his times were like 15 or 20 seconds faster. It, it was crazy. It was nuts. And you blink and he's there, and then you blink and he's gone, and you're like, all right. Um, but no. So um, our class, the the race today, um, it was one one group at the start. So they did it based on lap times. We had qualifying uh, yesterday afternoon and this morning, and they took your best time from that and they graded you from fastest to slowest. So I did a 134. It's my first time at the track really really love this track like I, I think it suits my driving style and yeah. uh, my car really well what do you like about it oh it's it's technical in the middle I, you know the streets aren't too big that we get destroyed by the Corvettes and the Camaros and there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into doing each lap I, I don't know any of the turn names or numbers because um, I, I don't know it's my first time but the you know there's a lot of challenging turns um you know, the, the first turn one, you know, you can chuck it in at such a high speed. And uh, the last turn, there's that there's this weird dip and it gets your car airborne if you if you hit it just right. Um, no and it's just it's just crazy. There's a lot going on. Uh, some of the turns are blind. So you turn and there's a hill and you have to just trust yourself that the, the track is there. Try, tr- you know, trust <laughs> that the track didn't move since a minute and you know, in your straightaways. What do you get up to? Data shows I've gotten this car up to 142. In the straightaways? Yeah. Here, yeah. on this track. And you say data, educate. Data, so I love data. So that dash that I have, it has it's a AIM MXP, which is one of their new dashes. Uh, it's got lights on the side, lights up top as a, as a shift light indicator, and it plugs into my car. Uh, it pulls all the CAN data, so it gives me things like uh, oil temperature, water temperature, uh, RPM, 
speed, and then it also pulls GPS. Uh, it's got a bunch of it could, it's got a bunch of signals, and what's it'll, the purpose of GPS? Uh, it tells you exactly where you are on the on the racetrack. Oh, so, a, so you can go back and do analysis. Yeah, to so I can say seconds. Yeah, so I can, you know, go to my friend and say, all right, you know, this guy here has a similar car. Let's look at data. You know, and he's like, okay, well, you know, why are you gapping me here? Like, it looks like you're driving away. And then we, we compare our data and it's just a bunch of graphs. It's a lot of math. I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. So I'm, I love it. Is that it. your day job? Yes. I'm an electrical engineer. I'm a, I, I don't do a whole lot of engineering anymore. I do pro, uh, program management. So it's uh, herding cats. Um, yes. But uh, I have a technical background. I'm a program manager as well. So you understand my struggles. It is, it is hurting cats. It's definitely a great way of It is. Yeah, I mean, then I can say, all right, you know, Hugh, you, you, were, you were at turn one and, you know, you were at 87 miles an hour and I was at 89 miles an hour. And, you know, we look at, it's not just that very second. You got to look at corner entry, corner exit, throttle position. So there's just, there's so many aspects to one moment of racing which is what's crazy because then we'd go do it on the racetrack at 140 miles an hour. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is this technically a standard car? Are you doing shifting? Yes, yes. Uh, So this car actually came... When I bought it, it had a something called a sequential manual gearbox, which is something that they offered in this generation of uh, M3. There was the option of the the six-speed, which is your H-pattern, um, and then there was this SMG, which is actually a sequential gearbox. They use the same transmission, but um, it was just, it was sequential. It did the shifting for you, so it was like shift up, and it would, you know, it would shift for you, and it pull it back, and it would shift down. Um, so it was kind of cool. It was their automatic answer to having a sports car, but having it also be somewhat automatic for people who didn't want to have a true manual car. So is the sequential what you have? No. So I ripped that out. Got it. <laughs> What's in here is a, uh, it's a ZF five speed, which comes out of the older generation BMWs. And it sounds kind of strange that we're using an older transmission. I know, uh, we do that because this five speed saves us 42 pounds over what comes in the car. So that's not a small chunk of weight. Um, and we're already overweight for our class. So every, every pound definitely counts in this. So how do you, I mean, at this point, how do you, how do you like shave more weight? Oh, I don't know. So when you say like you're overweight for your class, I'm like 200 pounds, if not more that overweight. That sounds like a lot. It's a lot. So my, my class weight is 2,600 pounds for T1, which is touring one, um, in SCCA. And so my, yeah, my weight is 2,600 pounds, uh, I go over scales at like 28, 30 or so at the end of a race, at the end of qualifying. I already have composite doors, which are super light, and a piece just fell off, which makes me feel <laughs> You didn't need that. I know. Um, so these are composite doors. I bought these off a friend. Um, he was upgrading to full carbon doors, which is super badass. Um, but I bought these off him, and they're they're helping me save a lot of weight because um, the aluminum doors are just they're really heavy. Even though we got them, there's just a lot of weight left in there. Yeah. Um, well, I imagine. I mean, let's be honest. This is where you know my passion is around featuring women in the automotive and motorsports industry. And one of the things that my stepdad actually worked on high performance motors and stuff, mm-hmm. and it was mostly drag racing type cars. And one of, he tried to get me into racing, but my mom was like, no. Right. Right. And I'm like, 
But women in general is like Absol- cutting weight. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm sure at least 50 pounds over my competitors here is just me being lighter than them. And right. that's that's probably hard for them. Right, Jonathan? Sorry? I, I was saying that the, our weight difference, 50 pounds, is probably just me being lighter than you. Yeah, it's just the doors, basically. It's, oh, yeah, it's the doors. <laughs> Um, but I mean, when you're talking shaving 25 to 50 pounds, yeah, you know what I mean. It just every every bit makes a difference, and you know now that race season's here, I I gotta I gotta get back into shape, and you know if if you can lose you know five ten pounds as a driver, that's usually where you're gonna make big gains. Um, it's it's a it's the it's the free way to make your car faster. Wow. I, I mean, now when you say get in shape. There's some people who are like, you're just driving a car. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to be in shape? Oh my gosh. Everything's coming at you. It's not just a mental game. When you strap in and, you know, it's it's cooled down a lot now, but it was, it felt like it was 85, 90 earlier probably when they called us to grid and you strap in, there's no airflow in these cars. Once you sit in grid and the suits are, they're three layers, they're hot. I mean, they're there for protection, but, you know, you've got a balaclava on, you've got a helmet on, you put that visor down, and there's there's no airflow. So you'll see a lot of people, they'll do, like, a cool shirt system. Um, but the fitter you are, um, the more you can handle. It, inside the car, it probably gets up to 120, 140 sometimes, depending on the days. It's just, the fitter you are, the easier it'll be on your body. You're, you're fighting the car, um, you're fighting your competitors out there, and it, it is definitely a physical battle out there. I mean, I, I mean I'm kind of speechless. I'm just like, <laughs> you kind of take it all in. It's one thing to watch it. And then when you get in close and you start to really better understand it. And I think a lot of people don't understand the physics, the math. And a lot of like how much really goes into there's there's so much and you know like, like I, a, I walked up and you were watching video yeah right? <laughs> so I mean talk talk a little bit about why watch video uh, I I love video uh, I will record every session I go out whether it's practice me learning the track um, qualifying especially the race uh, I use the Aim Smarty Cam which I really like I just got this this year it automatically records so you don't have to forget about you know recording your your session I've you know we've all been there done that. Um, and As you know, a podcaster, I've done it too many times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, oh, this is great. It's been a great hour, yeah. and oh, got nothing. Yeah. Um, so that it's set to automatically record once the car hits 30 miles an hour, which is when we go on our pace lap, and um, it shuts off once the car shuts off. So I really like it. But no, I, I look at all of my video. So I was looking at video with John Buttermore over there, and the reason we were looking at it was because we were racing each other, so at certain times I was in front of him, and at certain times he was in front of me. A lot of times at, at 100 miles an hour, you think you're hitting that apex, you think you're taking that turn, you know, like a total boss, and then you see someone's video with your car in it, and you're like eight feet off the apex, just like hanging out in the middle of the track, and you're, you're hauling, and it's just like, it's this mega wake-up call, and you're like, wow, that was really... Apex in- is, just for translation, for... Fun. Apex is... How do I... Apex is the point in the corner that you want to be closest to the curbing on the inside yeah. um, because that's going to allow you to carry the most amount of speed going in and coming out like what well, we always say apex late right so if you if you turn in early you hit an early apex it's going to push you out on the exit and you're going to run out of track you're going to have a slower exit um, 
So you always, we always look to, as racers, we're always looking for that late apex, hit your lines. Um, you know, if you can, obviously when you're racing, it's a different story, but when you can hit your lines, hit your marks, do it as best you can. So, you know, I, I love video because it, it shows all of that. You know, in your brain, you're like, you know, all that adrenaline's pumping. You're like, I'm doing great. I'm a badass. Yeah. Right look at me. Oh, go. yeah. <laughs> and then you, you get that video and you're just like, wow, I, I did not do as well as I thought I did. Um, yeah. And so I love video because it's, it's very humbling and it, you know, it really shows you where you can improve for the next time. Ooh, I love this sound. Oh God, I just stepped on your chair, Jason, I'm sorry. Oh. God, so, that stuff's like music to my ears. <laughs> so it, it's funny because my partner and I were talking because we're sitting up on the, I think, what they, what did they call that turn up there? Turn two, the, probably, the, right? It's, it's a hairpin uh, Yes, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lock. I that don't was, forget. That was an exciting turn this past race. It was. Ooh. It was. There were. I saw you had to go. Two cars bumped. Yes. They got spun out, and you had to like literally oh. kind of go off the track yeah. a little bit on the inside. So to the get first around them. lap, somebody, the Camaro hit another one of the M3s, just hit him off track, and that M3 ended up just coming back on track because there's nothing you can do at 100 miles an hour. You're in for the ride, and so we all had to avoid that that BMW. And then somewhere, somewhere in the middle, yeah, there was there was another car to car contact at turn two, and man, I, that that one car was just sitting smack in the middle of the track, and just he couldn't, he like stalled out. Yeah, and you know he didn't look like he was moving, so I was like, okay, you know, I think John, I don't know if John, John was in front of me at the time, but I was like, all right, what's what's the fastest way through this to not give up any more time? To you know, I need to close the gap between me and the Corvette. So, so do you pick someone to like race against? Because there's 36 cars. There's in that 36 race. cars. So I I try not to I try not to race anybody out of class. There were 11 T1 cars out there. So yeah. I already you know I kind of did some recon. And I was like, okay, these are the guys in my class. Anyone else? Usually the race will filter them out, and we don't trip over each other too much. Um, so I you know if there's a faster car, like I just let them go. They're out of class. But if it's you know if it's somebody in class, yeah, I'm gonna you know play defensive, hold you up, you know. I'd, drive my line make sure make my car wide make it hard to get around me or you know if he's in front you know start on the attack and put the pressure on try to see if you know chip away at that space and see if i can make a mess up then once he's once he messes up you got to be ready to pounce um so like i i put the pressure on johnny i was just closing that gap slowly and then sure enough i stuck my nose and just testing the waters and he backed off for a second and it messed him up uh into the last turn yeah and the last turn was really important because that was that was the last turn into the front straight. And so he messed up. He lost a lot of corner speed, and that all that all really hurt him down you the straight. That, I mean, how many laps do you guys go? I think we did fourteen or fifteen. And you think just literally one corner? That's all it took. Out of fourteen laps, yes. Multiplied by how many corners are here, and that's the oh my difference. gosh, I know. It just that's it just crazy. takes one. So how did you get, how or why did you get into racing? Oh my gosh. It was by total accident. I, so I did not grow up in a motorsports family. I, my parents have no interest in cars. Um, what do they think about you doing this? They, they actually didn't know about it for a really long time. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, my, my parents are first generation. Um, and so they're very traditional Asian parents. Yeah. Um, and so from? they're very, very academic. They're from Hong Kong. Okay. Um, so they're very traditional. They pushed, you know, math and science. I became an engineer. It was just my, you know, my sisters are engineers and doctors. Like it's, 
very, very typical. Um, so I got into this by total accident. Um, out of college, I, I bought a BMW because I was like, oh, I have a job, I have money, I can, well, I can do something cool. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. It was automatic, it was all wheel drive. And I was just like, oh, I have a cool car now. And that was, that was just, that was all it was ever meant to be. You know, I was like, okay, let me, let me learn more about my car. So I, I tried to find, you know, things to do. And I started going to car shows. I was like, okay, that's cool. But it's not really that, like, I found it kind of boring. I was like, oh, well, you know, let's, let's go drive them. And that's when the fun starts. Yeah. So I, I found autocross. Um, I had a friend who did it in college. So I, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, can I come out with my automatic all wheel drive car? I was like, are people going to laugh at me? I was like, I don't know how to drive manual. There's all these things like, yeah. and he was like, no, no, just come out and have a good time. It was 35 bucks. Like, how can you say no? Um, so I got up at 6 a.m. Sorry, you're good. So I got up at 6 a.m., you know, one Saturday morning. I paid my 35 bucks, and I showed up, and I was the slowest car by far at this autocross the first time around. I think I took, like, three times the amount of time that I really should have taken. But sure enough, by the end of the day, I was like, okay, you know, kind, of, kind of got the hang of it. I wasn't last. Yeah. Um, and then it just, it was this downward spiral. Um, or upward, depending on yeah. how you look at it, right? <laughs> I, went to, I went to Germany, and I was visiting a friend, and he was like, oh, you're into cars. And I was like, kind of, like, and he was like, all right, cool, we're going to drive the Nürburgring. We're going to rent this race car, and we're going to drive it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, crap. I was like, I don't know how to drive manual. But it's... It was this dude I'd like kind of I kind of wanted to impress him so I was like uh I was like all right I was like yeah yeah I was like we got this yeah I was like let's do it and I was like I was like crap I don't know how to drive manual so I watched a bunch of YouTube videos um <laughs> um I have to say that's the first for me I haven't heard anyone watching YouTube yeah, videos I I was like I was like all right I was like I got this. I my friend took me out and he had a 350Z and he like he gave me a 10 minute crash course and he was like here. He's like just as long as you get rolling in first gear everything else is really easy and I was like I understand the concept. It's the hills and stuff. Right, it's pain. it's from a stop that I was like struggling with. He was like it's fine. Just give it a little gas and I was like okay, it's fine. I'll just my goal was to not stall at the Nürburgring. That was <laughs> I mean people go and they're like oh I want to do like a you know, an 8 minute lap or something. And I, here I am like uh yeah, I'm just going to I need a fake this whole like driving manual and how did you do i didn't stole the car so Woo! hey i'm, you go, I'm all about that um <laughs> so i uh it was it was nuts uh i loved it it was a ton of fun i had you know i had tr i had played the game uh played it on iRacing so i was like all right i was like i can do this you played it on what i played it on iRacing so i have a simulator at home okay. it's really simple it's just it does uh electronic you know you just practice online i actually might have to load my car yeah, do really you care quick. if I listen to it yeah, yeah, get yeah. started? Oh. I'm just going to keep it rolling. Do your thing. Total badassery. Christina's loading everything up right now, getting ready to pull her car up into the trailer. So we're just waiting here. Weather's taking a turn. It looks like there's going to be a downpour, but we'll see. Got to put the steering wheel on. There it goes. Beautiful! That sound.
tight fit, man. This is cool. So I, I'm just curious. So you literally Monday through Friday have your day job, yes. and then on the weekends you race. Yes. Literally Friday you get off work and you pack up and you head out. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm really lucky. Sometimes I get to leave a little early on Friday. Um, I, you know, I, and it's it's tough. I, I just got the new job, so it's I definitely I definitely put in more than enough. You know, on the, on the weekdays, and it's it's hard because I live. 10 hours from here it took me 10 hours to get right, here right um thursday I, I actually took thursday off for the drive and i, I gotta do, do you it. like four tens or something yeah i can um but a lot of times i mean i'm sure you know as a program manager you just gotta Projects be there are pro yeah yeah yep yep i'm with you well let, go ahead and finish what you need to finish I it thought gets I was getting lucky, then... so I, when I was driving here, I drove through like eight or nine thunderstorms, and then I crossed into Ohio. You you drive this yourself? Too? Yeah. Are you kidding? You're like a one-woman show? Seriously? Yeah. Like... <laughs> I mean, it's not going to tow itself. No, no, I didn't. Well, everyone else has like a group of people with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be nice to someday get a big hauler and have my stuff arrive. I know, right? But, I mean, until then, yeah, it's, you know, leave Friday night and haul there and unload, race, and uh, go home Sunday morning or Sunday evening. I usually get home really late, and then Monday's Monday's a struggle. Oh, man, I could only imagine. So I, I had asked you what got you into this. You, oh you my had gosh. said you tried to impress a guy. Yeah, so I didn't tell him I drove manual. Um, I ended up liking the sport way I don't I've never talked to him after that I got like I got way more into the sport and I came home and I was like cool I was like you know driving on track was like it was just so much more than autocross I was like I can't imagine like going doing all of that at speed so I was like okay I'll do try it out in my own car that I bought at home yeah. and so I did HPD which is high performance driving education um and I signed up for like an event here and there I was like okay I was like it's expensive it's you know 400 bucks for a weekend and you know when you're out of college it's kind of like eh, it's a lot of money yeah um so I, would just, I was like oh I'll just do like one once a year I kind of looked at it as a bucket list thing I was like I'll never I, I looked at the racers I was like, I was like I'll never race yeah. I, and I was like those people are nuts and I still think that racers are nuts <laughs> those HPD programs is that's what got me into it because they pair you up with an instructor mm -hmm. you can bring your own street car so you don't have to buy a race car you don't have to have a truck trailer you can take your street car and drive it on track and you get instruction and it's a fun time you have a really good time you learn a lot um, in addition to the on-track sessions you have classroom sessions where they teach you about flags passing driving the correct line what an apex is so it's a, it's a very educational program, and they put a lot of work into it. So there's four different levels in this HPD program. There's HPD 1, where you're paired with an instructor, you're a novice. Then HPD 2, you're, you know, you're better, and you can go by yourself sometimes if you want. So you're soloed. 3 and 4, they're the more advanced groups, so they expect that you know, you, you're going to be out there by yourself, or you know, you, you've kind of figured the place out. And it typically takes people anywhere from, you know, two to two to five years to go through the program, depending on how... Were you the token girl? I was... Oh, when I started, there were... I think in the past couple of years, there's been a lot more women coming out, which I really, really love. When I did HPD, yes, I was, I was the only girl. Guys were kind of like, oh, well, yeah, that's cute. A girl's coming out. And then they were like, oh, that car's kind of gaining on me. That's, that's not good. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, not... Uh, 
Yeah. It's not cute anymore. Yeah, it's, it's not good. And then, and then, you know, they were like, wow. They were like, all right, you're, you're, you know, you're moving. At the time I was like, oh, I was like, I'll just do HPD every now and then. It'll be fine. I'll never like, I'll never instruct. I was like, that's crazy. Like to get into a car with somebody to instruct, you've never met the person before. You're about to get in a car that you know you you may not know the the mechanical history of it right and you're about to go 130 with someone who's never done it before in the right seat <laughs> no thank you but then i started instructing <laughs> <laughs> and what was that like was that uh, that would be nerve i was i was super nervous my first time I think my students have always, I've been very lucky. Uh, I think my students have always been great. They've always really, really listened to me. I've always been afraid of the the guys who are like, oh, like there's a girl instructing me. Let me show her what I know how to do. But I've, I've always actually had very, very tame people and they've, they've always been very open to learning. And I, I always set the stage. I said, you know, this is, you're not racing here and you will not be racing for a while. You are here to learn and I'm here to teach you. And above all of that, keep you safe and keep, everyone else on track safe so it's it's a lot of responsibility yeah um, and it's not like you i'm like you have a brake pedal on your side no it's not like the driver's ed car where you know the yeah. <laughs> your own sometimes you sometimes you wish for it but oh, no the our brake pedal is when we scream to the student because we have communicators it's break 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 <laughs> it's, it's that third break where you know you get a little panic in your voice <laughs> that's that's our that's our brake pedal <laughs> I don't think I could be an instructor at I, all. Like, I think I'd I have to take like Xanax or something. Yeah, <laughs> like and, and some people they have to t- they they get motion sickness being um. in the right seat because you're not in control. You're not sure what the driver's gonna do, and unlike driving on the street, people are are not smooth. So sometimes they'll jerk the wheel and they'll be on the wrong side, and you just you don't know what's gonna happen sometimes. So your brain and what you see there's just like a disconnect there and so a lot of people get get motion sickness <laughs> yeah i can understand that so you've been racing for three years now and how, how are you doing competitively i think i'm doing okay so i'm i'm really thrilled so my first year racing i had an e36 m3 it was a 1998 bmw m3 and have you always had m3s just just that one and this one uh, my first BMW was it was a 2009 328, and that was that was kind of like what got me into the whole BMW realm. You know, in hindsight, I probably should have picked a cheaper car or something, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and honestly, the E46 platform is is really easy to build on because it's been around for so long. Yeah. So a lot of stuff has been developed for it, and I mean, the guys at High Speed Motorsports they really know what they're doing to make these things really fast. Now, do you have any sponsors or anything? High Speed Motorsports is is a big one. Also, Skip Barber Racing. We instruct for them, and they've been a racing school, and they're you know the biggest racing school in the in the history of racing. They sponsored our event last week or two weekends ago at VIR. We did the Ultimate Track Car Challenge. Shout out to Hoosier for making the best tire ever. <laughs> we get to stuff some 295s under uh, our fenders here. And the A7 uh, compound is just like super grippy. So I, I really love how hooked up the car is with, with those tires. 
educate folks who are just learning a little bit about that. What does it mean to actually sponsor? Do you get the tires for free? Do you it, get them discounted? Like, so it, it could work? be it could be anything. So it it really it becomes a relationship between you and the company that is sponsoring you. That's it's tough, right? Like everyone wants to be sponsored. Everyone's like, oh, like it's it's just free stuff. I we who doesn't love free stuff? Yeah, right. But it's it's so much more than that. People who are going to help you out, you got to make sure you help them back because it's not it's not a one way street. If somebody helps you and says, you know, here's a here's some tires, you better put that car on the podium with those tires, because if you don't, why did they give you tires? A lot of it is it's a two way street. It's not just a relationship between you know it's not a one way street. Just receiving stuff, and at the same time. There's a marketing aspect outside of just the racing, and people do reviews on their on their you know sponsored stuff, and you really got to help that company, that brand, push whatever product they're trying to market with you, and help them get those sales because that's the reason they're helping you. They're not helping you because they like the way your car looks. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, and I mentioned it, but it was, I wasn't recording at the time. You are a one-woman show. Like, I'm looking around here, and people have, like, teams. Yeah. Or either a husband and a wife, or at least another body to help. You tow your own trailer, you load everything yourself, (laughs) and you work a more corporate, traditional, 9-to-5 type job. I do have to give a shout-out to my boyfriend. He does a lot of help for me loading up the loading up the car at home because yeah. it's it's not easy um you know he's lucky he has a work from home job so thursday i came home from work and he had already gotten the trailer from the trailer lot and like just little things like that it just it means so much to me to like not have to load everything up go get everything and it's just you know the little things here and there it just it makes such a big difference he does come with me sometimes I, i'm out every weekend so it, it gets boring if you don't race all the time i i could see if you're not the in the one yeah in the car he also races it. himself um so he has an e30 bmw it's a 1990 1990 bmw and he races in a spec series with nasa so he has his own racing that goes on in addition to helping me at home with the car i mean i'm i'm christine i'm blown away i I am because when i pulled up it's like i wasn't sure what to expect like i've been following you on instagram but it's it's real easy on instagram not to totally miss how you're doing it all on your own yeah and i i think especially on social media people always always they don't see the hard side of racing right no they don't see the the days off the extra hours worked the dollars saved to to make that entry fee to buy those set of tires to you know get that last piece on the car that you think is really going to make a difference and you're all self-funded right now oh yeah oh yeah i mean i'm i'm so thankful for my sponsors to help put a great car together um we got a lot of help from stop tech this year uh my car is actually debuting their new competition brake kit it's a c43 kit they just released it we're helping them get some data on it and it's going to be released to uh the public for purchase later this summer so i i have a lot of help on this car akg motorsports has been with me since the e36 um, just helping me with did you go out and like market yourself to get these Yes. I think the marketing side of racing is a whole full-time job in itself. We were just talking about that. And you you know this, just the editing of anything, if it's audio, if it's video, even just, you know, managing your Instagram, your Twitter, making sure your sponsors every Monday Monday morning, I have an email that goes out with 
hey, here's pictures from the weekend, this is how we did, and give them feedback on their products and how it helped us and how it, it put us on the top stuff. That in itself is, is a full-time job and people don't realize that. I'm sorry, I'm never <laughs> complaining about putting a podcast together again. This is like next level and you have your day job. I'm just not going to complain because I, I can this, sit in my bed and do my editing. <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to. And, and you know, the dream is, is to someday balance balance the sponsorship and and the racing and have it be where, you know, I can I can do the racing full time based on the sponsorship. It's not there yet, but that's, that's the goal. Do you, do you think you have an advantage at all being a female gaining sponsorship because it creates a special angle for them i think so i've heard i've heard it all um you know even from just racers in the paddock that i've raced with guys who at one point called me their friend i they're like oh christina only has his sponsors because she's a girl we've we've all heard it right it's easy to say that but look at the lap times am i faster than you yeah sucks (laughs) Like, unless you can point at me and say, hey, you know, you're just out there putzing around, circulating on the track, getting lapped by everybody. Okay, fine. Then you can say that. But I'm not. And I'm beating most of your lap time. So come at me. Come race me. And if you can beat me on the track, then you can say, hey, I beat the girl. You, you can trash her. That's right. But not until then. That's right. Come, let's come settle it on track. I'm, we're getting, I'm getting sponsorship because <laughs> I've earned it. That's right. Not because I'm a yes. female. Yes. And, and I asked that because it's brought up. Right? Always. Uh, oh, you're the girl. That's why you get preferential yes. treatment. Yes, and it's, it's and everybody thinks that. And I, you know, I I really appreciate, especially you know, when you race people like when I raced John today, he made me work for that. And it's, I've heard it plenty of times. There was one guy that I raced one time. He said, "Oh, the the girl hit me off track, and she got too close and she hit me, and she she shouldn't be on track. She's not qualified." And he told all his friends to to you know complain about me. And then someone behind me pulled video and said, hey, dude, she was nowhere near you. You just got scared and drove off the track. <laughs> and then and then that shut him up. He's been really nice to me since. <laughs> Notices there's just this whole other community. It's like a culture. It is. It is. And motorsports, is, it's a whole other world, but it's, it's also like a really, really small world. You'll notice everyone knows everybody. Sure, yeah. So it's it's a very very small world. You you start seeing these people every weekend, and you know you know who their friends are, and you know you see their family come to the track, and it's it's a whole family away from home. What would you tell other women or young girls about getting into motorsports? Oh my gosh, just do it, just do it. And you know this is what I've said from day one. I try to drag as many people with me, men, women, children, anybody, and I'm like if. If even if you don't have an interest in getting in a car, if you don't have, if you don't think you want to race, just come out and watch the cars, because it's different. I mean, I always said oh, I'll never race, and here I am, a total nut job, you know, hauling home at three three a.m. on a Sunday, and like, all right, I'll be at work by six, yourself. Yeah, and you know, never, and that's the thing that motorsports has taught me is never say never. I always said I would never be an instructor. I said I would never go compete. I said I would never race, and. I said I would never trailer my car, and here I am. Now, did you know how to drive with trailers before? No, I actually had a really, really bad experience, which I think everybody has had a trailering experience. <laughs> and I, I have to, so I, my, my good friend Justin Taylor, he, 
he let me borrow his Touareg and an open trailer one weekend. Cause I said, I'm going to Lime Rock, it's really far away. I was like, can I tow my car up using your stuff? And he was like, yeah, no problem. He's like, I tow the same car. He's like, it'll be easy. And I was like, okay, I've never towed anything. And he's like, all right, well, you know, you set this and this. And he's like, it'll be easy. Just pick up, pick everything up. And I was like, okay. And I did not account for where the car needed to be on the trailer. I just kind of drove it on there. Oh my gosh, we should go inside really quick. So I, uh, I strapped my car down and I, I left and I got on 95 and the car, uh, the Touareg hit 60 miles an hour and the, the trailer started to sway. And I had never driven on the trailer before and I was like, oh, I write about this. I was like, I, maybe a little bit it's normal. And then it, it got worse and it got worse. And sure enough, you know, within a couple seconds, I could see my, my race car numbers in the, in the side mirror. And it, this was on 95. So going, going 95 North. And I was like, this is not good. I couldn't, so this thing is, is swinging and I'm at 60 miles an hour. So I was like, okay, I was like, as it comes around and everything is straight, I need to tap the brakes. I was like, this is not gonna be good. And so as everything straightened out, I tapped the brakes and trying to slow down, but the momentum spun the entire thing around. I, I luckily- It jackknifed? It jackknifed and I stopped facing the wrong direction on 95 with four lanes of traffic. So everyone has a trailer story, that's mine. Um, they're really, surprisingly for what happened, I didn't hit anybody, thank God. They were probably watching in the back. Like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I bought my friend a brand new trailer. I was like, I called him, I was like, I really messed up. I was like, I'm gonna buy you a new trailer. I'm gonna fix your car, the, the, the truck was fine actually. And after that, I was like, I'm never trailering. I was like, I can't handle this. Sure enough, I, uh, one day I talked to Hugh and I was like, the car needs to go to high-speed motorsports. It's going to become a full race car. I want to race. And I was like, oh crap, that means I have to tow. And so I think towing for me my first year was my most nerve-wracking part of doing a race weekend. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I can handle the racing. I was like, I won't die on, on you I'll know. I'll go 140. Just yeah, it'll be fine. And, and that first time I had to go pick the car up with the trailer white knuckles like I got up at 4 a.m. so I wouldn't have anyone else on the road and I was just like I was like I was sweating and I was like I, I was like let this end please let this end and I was driving with a friend who was towing at a much higher speed and I was like please slow down please slow down oh, wow. but I mean I got over my fear um it it took a little bit uh and sure enough you know now we have an enclosed trailer which uh, it's it's a lot nicer because now it's going to rain and my car's protected, <laughs> and there's just an added level level of security. It's it's a lot to tow with, but it's it's a lot nicer. Say, you're, you're not just towing stuff; you're towing oh, yeah. another car. Oh yeah, it's all of my crap. When you get stuck, where you want to, you're going and doing something, and you get stuck. What resources do you use? Yes. Uh, so I have a racing coach, uh, Hugh Stewart. He's the owner of High Speed Motorsports. He is my, that's where I pull all of my wisdom. Um, so if, I, if I'm ever stuck, I'm like, what would Hugh do? He's very zen, which I, I joke about because when I, when I get stuck, I, I, and I still do, I, I get frustrated very easily. And my car has taught me a lot of patience because nothing ever goes right. And I've come to accept that as a racer. Just things go wrong and it's okay. I would... You know, yeah. What would Hugh do? And then I would probably call you have Hugh. Like a wristband that you know. What would yeah. Hugh do? <laughs> Get one of those made. <laughs> if if you plateau in anything you do, and it's not just racing, 
have someone that you can have as a resource, like so, someone that you can go ask for advice from, someone who has been in this for years, like 20, 30 years, who has done it, been there, seen everything, and someone who can guide you in whatever your journey is and whatever your goals are. Who's your inspiration? I really look up to Simona Di Silvestro. She races V8 Supercar in Australia, and that's a series that I follow really closely. Um, she used to do IndyCar, and she recently moved over to V8 Supercar. I just, I love V8 Supercar. I love her driving. I love her. Also, Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, who also races V8 Supercar, they are probably my inspirations in terms of racing. I watch their videos a lot, and I'm, I always look at how they race and how I can improve my driving. Yeah, I'm so like, I'm so glad you guys made it out and I'm so glad you guys saw the race like I was I was worried I was like oh shit they're gonna be here early like based on the schedule I was like they're gonna be bored they're not gonna find their I was like oh no it's it's been fun this has been an amazing experience for us we because around looking at the cars. yeah, yeah. Well, the cars are really cool I think this place is really unique because like you said there's a lot of people with very high budgets and in some instances people have pro budgets and you know they're coming to SCCA which is you know very high level amateur racing on the borderline of pro it's it's got like a mix of everybody which is really cool because you've got those guys Wait, with say that again borderline pro how does that sound I it's I mean you've got these guys coming with your borderline pro uh, <laughs> that's, that's the goal that's the goal <laughs> But, I mean, you, you see these guys and they have, you know, some of these guys have factory support and, you know, they have Ford or whoever backing them. And you've got the guys who are kind of like me where it's like, all right, we have our own car. It gets built and kind of do our own thing. We tow it back and forth and it's like a one-person show. So it's it's really cool, too, to see those, those people who are like the underdogs. You're like, wow, that guy's doing that on a shoestring budget and he's kicking ass. Yeah. Well, that and it's interesting that you bring that up because... Even though I saw it, I didn't connect the dots with mm -hmm. that because, like, we were walking around and you walk down there and it's Ford Racing. Oh, yeah. And they have, like, five tents lined up. Yeah. Real nice trailer. and There's a couple of, like, FP350s here, which is, like, their, their factory race car by Ford. And you can just buy it. It's a turnkey race car. You don't have to build it. It's, it's awesome. It's so fast. I really want one. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also walk, you know, two-step, you know, Two trailers that way, and it's exactly what you yep. described. Someone who built their own yep. on a shoestring budget. They do it just on the weekend, weekends during when they're not on their day job, and it's 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 mind-boggling. It right? is. All in one place. Yes. In one race. Awesome. And it's the same people every weekend. It's great. <laughs> Where you get to know everyone. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Thank you guys for coming out. Yeah. No, it was, it was a, lot a lot of, of fun. fun. It was a lot of fun. Hey Femcanics, little break in the programming here. To give a little introduction of what's to come, as my partner and I were walking away and we were leaving the racetrack after interviewing Christina, she shared an amazing story about how her parents found out she was a serious race car driver. I was absolutely blown away by the story that I asked her if uh, we could get together on the phone at a later date and record her story. She kindly obliged my request, and that is exactly what you are about to hear. Have a listen. I was literally giving you the high five, getting ready to leave from the track, and thank you for taking some time with chatting with me, and then you shared this, this amazing story about how oh, your folks found out. out about it. 
So <laughs> we had a blast. It was so I'm, much fun. I'm so glad you guys made it out. It was, it was so awesome to have somebody come. Like, I mean, for, for people to come out and be like, oh, I really want to come spectate. And like, I get that it, it's always like, oh, you want to go, but like people, you know, I, I get it. Life gets in the way. And you guys drove an hour and a half to come to the track and watch me race. And like that, that means so much to, to me, to my friends. It's just, it's so cool to have someone make that effort and actually come, come watch the race. I will tell anyone that if you have not had a chance to go watch a race, it is a good time. And, and it's not that you have to stay there all day because it is a long day, right? But if you find someone and connect with them and find out when their race is and go watch a few races, that's mm-hmm. very doable. I have to admit, I'm, I'm very pale. I am as white as white yet. <laughs> so sitting out in the hot sun, <laughs> it was beautiful. There was a billboard and I had some shade there and my partner's Puerto Rican. So that was too cold for her. So she said... <laughs> It worked out beautifully, and thank you very much for the showing the appreciation. But we we really did have a great time, and I'm so glad being able to go back uh, in the paddock area and actually see all the cars and just the plethora and range of from I'm hesitant in using the word as hobbyist, but it's they race on the weekend and then they. Yep. There's still their, you know, Monday through Friday job. And then there's the full timers. And you just saw the full plethora there. Yeah, there's there's just such a huge variety of, of people coming from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life. And, you know, it just, the racing brings everybody together. And, you know, like I said before, our racing family on the weekends, they're they're truly family. And it's, it's your home away from home. Yeah. Talk about just an infectious community. And no. you guys sharing each other's video and being able to like troubleshoot and pointers and identify areas of improvement. It's just, it was a really neat thing to sit back and watch. Yeah. And I saw that you, you posted some of the video from the last weekend's race from, is it John Buttermore? My Yeah, it's uh, John, from John Buttermore's car. So that was our, our Saturday race. Um, that was the one that you saw. Um, and I, you probably saw there was a Corvette and I were going back and forth. Yep. Uh, so that was from his car. It was really good because he started in front of me for that race. Um, he was some like eight cars in front of me. So I have really great video from the first half of the race because it's always more cool when you, when you see other cars that you're trying to fight, uh, in the video, not just, you know, your own car driving around the track. Um, so we traded videos. Saturday evening. So I was able to see my own car, you know, racing in front of him for the second half of the race. And so we were able to, you know, take a look at each other's videos and learn something about our own driving and maybe our competitors driving and be a little bit better prepared for Sunday's race. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll, I'll tell anyone to go out, even if, if you have no, no interest in actually getting into racing, it's still a lot of fun to watch. It is. You know, my, my partner's never been to a race at all. And I've been to like some drag races and stuff and she thoroughly enjoyed it. Like there was, there was some rubbing going on where two cars spun out in the turn yeah. that we were watching and it's just fun. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. There's so much. Not to mention you're pretty damn good. So <laughs> it, it was fun watching secretly. You're sitting there as a female, like, you know, we're sitting there like, go kick their ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
and, and it was it was fun to watch someone at your caliber of you're really a student of racing mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and sitting down that- and Oh, you're welcome. Sitting <laughs> down and like watching that when you said in passing at the end, we we're getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing with the listeners around how did your folks, well, first of all, why don't you share your a little bit of your background? I know we may have touched on it before in the previous, but just as a reminder, as we piece this together, um, your cultural background, so the listeners can get a sense of where you came from. And then if we lead into how they ended up finding out about how serious you are about racing. So my parents are, uh, they're from Hong Kong and um, they were born there. They got married there. They moved to England at one point and then to the U.S. I think when they were maybe in their late twenties or so, I have two older sisters. They're 11 and 12 years older than I am. So I was, I was the third child accident which um, I kind of figured out at one point. But um, no, my, my parents are very traditional. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> pardon? I said surprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're extremely traditional, stereotypical, first-generation, you know, Asian parents. And, and I love them. They have always given me everything I've needed to succeed in life. And they, they're traditional in the sense that we've always focused on academics and they've always been that way, both with my sisters and myself growing up. So to nobody's surprise, I have an older sister who's an engineer. My other sister's a doctor and I'm also an engineer. Very, very traditional, almost to a fault. And so motorsports really didn't run in our family. Uh, my parents, my mom had a minivan and I learned how to drive on it. That was it. It was like, hey, go take driver's ed. And okay, cool. You got you got your driver's license. Cool. You're not allowed to drive anymore. My parents had no interest in cars. My sisters had no interest in cars. When I graduated college, I wanted a nice car, and I, I didn't really know what I was going to get. But I ended up with a BMW, and I was like, oh, it's, it's pretty cool. And I, I started doing the autocross, like we talked about last time. I just started getting more and more into the motorsports industry, the community, and just delving into all these different driving events and everything. Eventually, at one point, you know, I had been doing HPD days for about a year or two, and I was doing time trial, and I had already started instructing at this point. My car uh, was photographed by Grassroots Grassroots Motorsports Magazine, and they did this really cool feature article. It It talked about the six easy ways for anybody to bring their car and get on track. They used my story of how I got into motorsports by starting with the autocross and to, to try to tell that story and try to show readers, hey, this is, this is actually really as simple as one, two, three, and go do it. Go sign up and go try it. So it was, a, it was one of their feature articles. A picture of the car and myself ended up on the front cover and as a spread on the inside. And so it was really cool. I mean... You know, I, I grew up and I was imagined your when people said, "Hey, you're you're a cover girl." I imagined, "Hey, you're you know you, you've got all the makeup on and you know you're you're a model, you're you're your typical, I guess I don't I don't know your your cover girl is what you think of when when you hear that word." And all of a sudden, you know, I, I saw the the preview of the magazine before it came out, and you know, my friend said to me, "You know, hey, you're a cover girl." I was like, "Holy crap!" Like that's that's not what I imagined, but Talk it's, about redefining it. How cool is that? Totally. Like, I, w- I was shocked. 
you know, when, when the magazine came out, you know, I had tons of friends and readers across the country, you know, they, they loved the story. I got a phone call from my dad one day and he starts asking me about the magazine. And I was like, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Is he talking about the same magazine that just came out? Because, you know, my parents don't really know that I go, you know, get up at five o'clock in the morning and go autocross and go away on weekends and go to the track in Jersey and New York. And then I come home Sunday night. Like, I, I'm not sure what they think I do on the weekends, but it's definitely not racing cars. Right. He, you know, my dad's like, hey, my friend subscribes to this magazine, Grassroots Motorsports Magazine. He said that you're on the cover and like, what's going on? And he's like, do I need to go out and like buy buy a copy of this? Do you race cars? Like what, what what's happening? My mom, I just, I heard my mom in the background. She was like, you do what? Like my mom, my I'm mom. I'm like, laughing. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to, like, like I'm muting out so I don't interrupt like, you. Like, shock, like, and like they, they kind of knew that, that I took the car that I bought. They knew I had done autocross, but they, I think they didn't realize it got so serious so quickly so it was a big shock to them when when they found when they found out from a friend who subscribed to the magazine because the friend was like, "Oh, this is really cool. Your daughter's, you know, in this magazine. It was a great story to share there." Yeah, so that's how that's how my parents found out that I, I raced cars on the weekends. Really, two questions here. Mm-hmm. The first question: Why did you not share it with them? And the second question is: What was their reaction like? Their underlying reaction when they realized they you were in, you weren't just dipping your toes in, you were in it. Oh man. All right. So I, and you know, I don't really know why I didn't tell my parents. I think I was afraid of the, the judgment. Like I, I knew the eventual judgment would come because it's, it's not your traditional Asian hobby, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I was worried. I think that my parents wouldn't be supportive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a lot, I guess. I, I think, I didn't want to, I didn't want to disappoint them. You know, I was like, maybe it's just easier to not explain this at all. Just not acknowledge the fact that I even do it. Like, we'll just pretend I, I don't know. I have some other quiet, safe uh, hobby that I can do at home on the weekends. Um, So it, for me, it was almost like it was easier to not explain it than try to try to show them, Hey, this is what I do on the weekends. I will say, and like to this day, they still, every time I talk to them, they caution me, please slow down. Maybe you should reconsider <laughs> the things that you You're do. Like, you do realize that the, that's the opposite of what I need to do. <laughs> I think I've gone faster every time. I mean, yeah, I've gone faster every, every week I go out, I go, I go faster. But I mean, I, I think that they have just, they have just parent concerns and I, I totally get it. They're worried. And in part, maybe just because they don't understand that we we do have all the safety gear granted there's there's a much higher risk of something happening on track than there is just driving on the highway you know in general we we have all of our safety gear in place and we take all the necessary precautions for what we're about to do and we do accept that risk when we go on track but i think they are just parents will always be parents and they're always going to worry about their kids so every time i talk to them i'll still get that warning of hey slow down you know maybe find a safe hobby like knitting or something <laughs> but I, I get that reminder. I, I don't know you real well, but from what I have, uh, just my gut feel on you, knitting is definitely not something. That you know. Yeah, I I don't know if I could do knitting. Maybe if there was like a competitive knitting, like a speed. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just too competitive. 
even when they saw the magazine, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to use the word back, backlash, but wh- why didn't you tell us or why are you doing this? How did that conversation go? Um, they read the article. They, they went out and they bought a copy of the magazine and they read the article. You know, honestly, we, we didn't talk about it for like six months after that. <laughs> like maybe they were still in shock, but like we just didn't acknowledge the fact that it was in a magazine and it was kind of a big deal. And then, and then afterwards, like they eventually, they would ask about it just because I think they were curious and they wanted, they wanted to be involved and they wanted to know what was going on. Yeah, there was, there was a little bit of like awkwardness, but I think they're, they're getting more supportive. You know, my dad was talking to me the other day and he's like, you know, mom doesn't like you racing, but she, she made an Instagram account and she follows you on Instagram now to, to better, (laughs) you know, he said he, he, she wants to try to better understand, you know, your racing and, and what you do and why you love it so much. Me was huge because my mom, you know, my mom, like I got, I got her an iPhone years ago and you know, she, she has her email and she's learning how to text and she talks to my aunts and uncles, but for her to make an Instagram account on her own and then say like, Hey, you know, I know Christina like posts all this, this phrasing stuff, like maybe it'll help me better understand why she loves it. Like that, that really meant a lot to me. That's huge. And I'll tell you one of the things that drew, drew me to you as well, Christina, one of the things I look at when I go and visit Instagram accounts is I don't look at one post. Mm -hmm. I look at multiple posts and I see how a woman portrays herself. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's some women out there that are absolutely beautiful. And, but I feel like some, sometimes the way in which they present themselves is almost degrading themselves. Yeah. And, And I believe there, there is a way of, you can be sexy and embrace your femininity and do it with grace and class as well. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I noticed about you. I I never saw anything trashy. I never, it was classy and professional with an air of confidence. I have to share this with the listeners too. After I met you and funny where I, my partner would sit down and, you know, you got to meet my partner as well. And she is a phenomenal writer and she'll help me with uh, doing some of the writing stuff because my thing is talking to people. I, mm-hmm. I loathe writing and the someone has got to help you write all of it. <laughs> it, it it's, it's a lot. The irony of it is I actually wrote a book. (laughs) (laughs) I've published a book, but I hate writing. It was more of a personal challenge. But when we got home and she started looking up things to start building kind of like the summary of when the podcast gets published, Mm -hmm. she's like, Jamie, have you Googled her? I'm like, no, I just saw her on Instagram. (laughs) She's everywhere. (laughs) And I I got in there. I'm like, okay, so I, I... pull it up and there was uh, someone had uh, from an administrative standpoint it seemed like you were doing something for a particular race and Mm -hmm. someone posted a complaint indicating that they felt that you were being unfair about something oh yeah and this this right here and I I read it and if I already had a six a really great six sense about you like you're just great people your response to that individual, and it's not like that in- individual is being belligerent or ignorant per se, but your response completely solidified 
my my thoughts around you. You answered with grace and with professionalism. And I'm like, she is the real deal. It's not it's not only about being a good racer, but it's about being a good person and a woman of class. So yeah. kudos to you. Thank you. You did it when no one else was looking. And that's that's what's really cool. Well, I mean, that's that's really what I think shows characters, you know, you gotta do the right thing. Even when nobody's looking or nobody cares, you still got to do the right thing. I, I so agree with you. One of the reasons why I asked you if I could get this soundbite about sharing it with, about your parents, mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a relatable story, right? There, there's this underlying thing around women in the trades and motorsports. And sometimes it's not that they're discouraged Sometimes it's not that they're encouraged. And then there's an experience like what you had where it was easier not to even go there and some fear about acceptance or disappointing your parents. And I think that's absolutely relatable for a lot of people. I think so too. You know, it, it might not just be parents. It might be, hey, the boyfriend or the husband, or if, if we can get one more, woman to stand up and say, Hey, I want to go try this. I want to go do this. And it doesn't just have to be motorsports. It doesn't just have to be racing anything that they want to pursue and realize in the end that they shouldn't need to worry about these things. They shouldn't need to worry about what their parents think or say, or, you know, what that other person or anybody else out there in the world has to say or thinks about what they're trying to do. That's, that's the message that really needs to get across. You know, I, I shouldn't have been ashamed to tell my parents that, hey, I, I like racing my cars on the weekends. I could have and I should have been up front with them. And because in the end, they're, they're still very supportive of what I do. It took them a little while to come around, but we need to teach people in general, just go after what you want, go after your dream. It's so well said. And you know what's ironic about all of it is that the more stories I hear, Christina, is that it's our immediate family that we end up not telling. Right? Isn't it funny how that works? You said it perfectly where it's not just about getting into motorsports, right? Mm-hmm. When I came out, exactly what you described is the exact feelings that I had about telling my grandpa. I didn't want to disappoint him. He's yep. my idol. It's so relatable. It's so relatable. Yep. Well, I tell you what, my friend, I have a, the red line questions, which when I was on site, I tried to remember a couple of them and failed <laughs> miserably at it. Major oh, fails. Yeah. I try to uh, share some of some of those bits and pieces. So if there's someone out there, someone out there that uh, second guesses himself about going out and trying something that they want to do, realize that you're going to fail a ton. And you're going to screw up. And sometimes you're just going to look plain stupid. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's just life. It is. Um, you know, I, and I think so many people these days, they think, especially with social media and the way a lot of people are going about things is everyone looks like they're so successful and everyone looks like they're never making a wrong move. Don't look at that too much because what you're not seeing is all of the blood, sweat and tears that goes behind all of that to make a successful moment. You see people happy with, you know, their cars on the podium and what they're not showing you sometimes is the the late nights in the shop, the things that go wrong. So don't worry about it too much. Life is life isn't 
full of failures, it's full of experiences. And every experience and anything that you might consider a failure is just making you a stronger person for when you do really succeed. I'm speechless. That's so well said. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So you ready for the red line round? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What the red line round is, is there's no right or wrong answer. It's five questions. The first thing that pops into your head is exactly what you should say. (laughs) I feel like I'm on a game show now. I know, right? First question, who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? I would say at different points in my motorsports career so far, I've always had a friend that I've really looked up to. I'll be honest, like most of these people, they're not like net worldwide famous. You you probably haven't seen them on TV, but at certain points, you know, I, I had that one instructor that always, always seemed to, to get exactly what need to, what he needed to say in order to get me faster. And I just followed in his footsteps to basically achieve my goals and see what I could do and how I could better myself who you're going to look up to, like I said, doesn't need to be some sort of famous race car driver or anybody super famous in your in your industry. It just has to be anybody that you can look up to and say, hey, I can learn from you. And that can be your best friend. It can be your coach. It can be somebody you know you see at the track. Make that person your mentor and learn from them. Learn from as many people as you can. Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck? Oh, boy. Um, so when I want to learn something new, I usually dive headfirst into something because I will have some crazy idea of, hey, maybe this will be the quick, easy answer to something. And then I, I dive into it and I'm like, oh, wait, there's a lot more to it. So I read a lot of stuff uh, on the internet and it is not always right. But I, I read everything right and wrong so that I can understand where everyone's coming from and where the logic is behind a lot of the decisions. Like, you know, if you're, if you're building a race car, let's say you want to use a bigger tire and half the people on the internet is saying, hey, a bigger tire, more grip, more grip is better. You're going to go faster. And then half the people on the internet are going to say, oh, more tire means more rolling resistance. You're going to go slower. I mean, for me, I read everything. And then you got to decide what camp do you fall in. For me, my resources go back to my racing coach, Hugh Stewart. He, he kills it out there. He, he, uh, he does a really good job building our BMWs and he almost always wins when we go out and we race. So he's, he's raced pro in the past and he has a, you know, 25, 30 years of racing knowledge. So what I read and what I research only gets me so far. And so I have to reach out to people who have been in the industry for 20, 30, 40 years. And then I keep getting my knowledge from people like that who have the years of experience, who have way more years in this than I've been alive. And that's where you're going to find a lot of the trade secrets and little things that, you know, your, your internet warriors aren't going to be posting on the internet. What excites you most about what you do? What excites me? I like, 
I don't, it's the whole, it's the whole weekend. It's, it's everything from making the changes on the cars to, I, I know this sounds terrible, but the, the nine hour tow to the middle of Ohio, which I don't, maybe the tow isn't the best part, but it's <laughs> getting there. It's the people. I think it's the people that really make the racing great. It's the, the track community. It's your competitors. It's the family that we have every weekend when we go out because, you know, without the people, you don't have the racing. And as good as the racing is, if you're not friends with the people you race, then it's no fun. And so for me, I think it's really the people and the good times that we have together that really make, make everything special. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? Oh, personal practice. What? Hmm. I don't know. Let's see. If I feel stuck, when do I feel stuck? I feel stuck if I've had like a crappy day personally at the track. So what I, what I mean when I say I have a crappy day is like, if I go out to a track and I know I need to hit a target time of, let's say two minutes to be competitive. And somehow I'm out here all day working at this, looking at the data, looking at the video, doing everything I can. And the best I can do is a 201. That is so frustrating to me. And, and I think that's, those are moments when I feel stuck when at the end of the day, I feel like I haven't achieved my goals. So Usually this happens when I start taking things too seriously and I start overthinking things. So I have this really embarrassing ritual with my coach where if I get stuck in this weird funk and I don't drive fast enough, um, he makes me eat a tomato. A tomato. So, <laughs> I, I hate tomatoes. I, I hate tomatoes. I love tomato products like ketchup or pizza, like, you know, pizza sauce, marinara sauce. I just, I really hate raw tomatoes. Um, <laughs> so this is going to sound hilarious. But, and, and this always happens. Like I, I start getting, like, I just start overthinking things, whether it's like breaking zones or, or, you know, turning the car and carrying the speed. I, I get hung up on it. And something like that at the end of the day where I, I can't make progress on it, it, it'll give me a bad day. And then I'm, I'm like, in a crappy mood for the rest of the day. So then my coach will go and we'll go together. We'll go to the local grocery store at the track and he will pick out a really disgusting looking tomato and he will make me eat it. <laughs> what? Okay. So what does that do? You got to tell me more about this. This is fascinating. <laughs> it ends up being like a really long process for me to eat this thing. Cause I really don't like them. So the last time I had to eat one was at pit race a couple of weeks ago. It was disgusting. It wasn't even ripe and it was crunchy. It was, Oh, it was totally gross. I don't know something about just the whole process of like, okay, let's leave the racing behind. We're going to go do this thing that, you know, in, in some way might torture you in a fun, like funny kind of way. You kind of relax, you, you let go and you're like, whatever. I gotta eat this disgusting tomato and it's it's funny, it sucks at the same time. You know, we kinda let loose a little bit and you know, it's like, okay, that was not the end of the world. My 
bad driving today was not the end of the world. We have tomorrow. I survived the tomato. I survived the bad driving. Like, let's just do better tomorrow and forget the rest. So that's our ritual. If I get stuck is we go and we get a tomato and I have to eat it. That is weird and amazing (laughs) interesting at the same time. So, yeah. So in some ways it's, you're going to, you're going to have those bad days. You're always like, not everything is going to be sparkles and rainbows and unicorns, you know, like I said earlier, people are always going to say, Hey, we had a great day here and there. You're never going to see those people really admit, Hey, we had a really terrible day today because it's, it's not fun. It's not fun to admit, Hey, you know, I didn't get to my goal today. I didn't make progress or I didn't achieve my goals in the end, you're going to have a bunch of those days. Like, that's not going to be the last tomato I eat. I'm sure I'll eat plenty of tomatoes. But the point of it is, don't get hung up on whatever you think is your failure or a bad day or whatever it is that is bringing you down. You know, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. Take another crack at it tomorrow and you'll do better. <laughs> Wait, please take a picture of your face next time you eat a tomato. Oh, there, there is a video for every tomato I've had to eat. Really? Yes. Have, have you shared any of those? No, thankfully. They're, they're hidden, I think. But You should maybe, totally hook the Femcanic community up. Maybe, maybe next time I have to eat a tomato, I'll, I'll put it on Instagram, and then you'll know. You'll know. What kind oh, of yeah. I'm, I'm going to totally look for it, man. <laughs> the good news is that every time I've had to eat a tomato, which is usually on a Saturday, I've always... I've always just let loose and said, okay, you know, let it go. And Sunday, I had, I always went way faster and, you know what, ended the weekend on a good note. Don't take, don't take things too seriously. Make sure you're having fun. And that's the thing I think people forget to do is have fun and people get caught up in other people's crap and, you know, their own crap. The whole point of us going out there to race, to work on our cars is to have fun. And if you're not having fun, then you know, go find that speed knitting or whatever it is that, you know, will give you that fun. (laughs) Maybe I'll get a sticker made for you, Christina. (laughs) I don't know. We we, we could come up with a sticker for this. Oh, yeah. My friend friend calls uh, the tomato the speed tomato. The speed tomato. Yep. It's like, don't take life too seriously. Eat a tomato. Yep. Why so serious? Tomato. (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. The final, final question, and you have successfully survived your first podcast, my friend. (laughs) What is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the motorsports industry? So I think my advice through this entire journey has always been the same. I think everyone always asks me this, and I... I feel kind of lame that I I haven't come up with better advice, but I still believe that if you just get out there and you take the first step, you're going to be miles. That first step is going to be miles ahead of everybody else that is too scared to do it. So take that first step, get out, try something. And if you aren't sure, reach out, reach out to me, reach out to Femcanics, we all have the resources. So if you have questions, we have answers. Um, you know, this, the whole community, this whole motorsports industry 
is huge. It's a scary place. It seems like there's a lot of very serious people. Those very serious people are very smart and they're very, very friendly. And I think in the end, we're looking to all grow this industry in our own way. So if you want to be a race engineer, I have friends who are race engineers and I can get you in contact with them. If you want to be a racer, you can message me. If you want to be a mechanic, we we have these resources where if you have any questions, we can get them answered and we can get you paired up with someone if there's something you want to see, if there's something you want to try. Don't be afraid. Reach out, take that first step and come out. That's all I got to say. Where and how can people connect with you? You guys can check out my website. It's christinalamracing.com. My Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube is Christina Y. Lamb. And if you need to, uh, you can reach me through DM on Instagram, Twitter, or you can go on my website and email me there. Like I said, you know, don't be, don't be afraid. Reach out. I don't bite. You know, reach out to Femcanics and ask those questions. I said it before and I'll say it again. Thank you a bunch, Christina, for getting in the driver's seat for the Femcanic community. For, for coming out and having me on your podcast is really awesome. When, when does the season start for you and when does it end? The season can technically go year round if you feel like traveling. Um, if in the wintertime you want to go south, uh, they run November through January, February, March. Uh, in the Northeast region, uh, we start around April or May and we go all the way until November. So we'll see a little bit of snow every now and then, but for the most part, we stay, uh, we stay nice and warm. Femcanics, if you are near where Christina is racing, I would strongly re- recommend going and checking it out. Will you have a wonderful weekend and go kick some ass? In the next episode, we go behind the scenes with Girls Behind the Gun founder, Connie. Did you ever wonder who was the mastermind of the page that has over 35,000 followers and features women that paint cars? Tune in next episode to find out. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?